One of life's greatest questions is what happens to us after we die. Is death the end or a new beginning? Welcome to the Round Trip Death Podcast. In this show, we listen to firsthand accounts of people who have been clinically dead and return to talk about it. We are excited to welcome here onto the podcast today, Laurel. Hello. We've, we had a chance to chat earlier and you've had some really interesting experiences and learned a lot about the spirit world from these experiences. Why don't you tell us what led up to your near-death experience and a little bit of what you saw and did there? Okay. Um, well, I got a kidney, kidney infection and I didn't realize I had it, so I didn't treat it or go to the doctor. And it finally got so bad that I collapsed at home in the middle of the night and I drug myself to the living room to get the phone where it was charging and I called 911 and they got me to the emergency room and they told me that my organs were all shutting down and they didn't quite know why. And so they were still working on me when I, when I don't remember anymore after that being in the room. Um, I found myself in a, a land that was just bare just ground, no plants, just dirt. And um, I had my great-great-grandfather was with me. His name is Daniel. And I just knew who he was, even though I'd never seen a picture or anything. It was interesting because he was, he was dressed in his buckskins. Like when he was alive, I guess that's what he was most comfortable in. And he had his pony with him because he used to be a trapper and and then he worked as an Indian scout for the, for the pioneers and for the wagon trains crossing the plains. And so he had that, so it's like, okay. And my grandmother was there. And there were others that I didn't know, but they were walking with me. And when I got right up to the veil, there was a, a patch of green grass and a, a stump, a big tree stump. And there was an elderly man sitting on the tree stump. And so I... I went up and I sat on the grass because I was tired of walking through that barren land. I sat on the grass and he told me, you have a choice. He said, you can go on through the veil, but you will not come back if you choose that. That will be your last time. And um, so I asked him, I said, did I earn the reward I wanted? And he said, no, not yet. And I said, then I'm going back. I want that reward. I'm not going to settle for something less. So I came back. And when I was in the hospital room, Daniel stayed with me the whole time. I could see him at the foot of my bed. And um, they had told my daughter my heart had stopped and that I wasn't going to come back. And, and that went on for several days. They told her that there was no hope. There was nothing they could do. And my daughter said I had a death rattle and, you know, they were expecting me to die. But I just kind of suddenly came back. It was really funny because the next day, I came back like in the middle of the night. And the next day, I was sitting up and they had brought me breakfast. And my doctor ran in the room really fast and he slid. You know, like that movie um, where Tom Cruise slides on the floor? That's what my doctor did. He ran in and he slid across the door and he goes, you're alive. And I said, I just smiled at him because it was funny. 
And um, he said, he said, up till that, even if somebody had asked me last night, I would have said, no, you would not live through the day. And so he was very shocked. And um, since I was allowed to come back, that was my choice. Then my, my organs all turned back on. My kidneys started full function. Um, I had had the infection had spread to my lungs and then into my bloodstream. So I was septic. I was dying. And I came back and just bounced back within a few days. Took a while to get my strength back. But other than that, everything came back fine. So that was a pretty short visit because you had your choice. You chose to come back. Would you tell me that question that you asked again? That was like the best question of all time. I asked the man if I had earned the reward that I had chosen before I was born. And he said no. So I chose to come back because that's what I want. And did you know who that man was? No, not that man. What are some of the things that you learned from uh, experiences after that? One time I had a, a lady, a guardian. I asked her if she was my my guide and she said yes. And she was escorting me to the other side that time. And um, I, that time I traveled through space. You know, you hear people saying you go through space. Well, you do. And I could see other people heading the same way. Everybody looked kind of like sparks because there were so many. So like stars all traveling in the same direction. And that gives you a sense of a tunnel. It's, you know, maybe a clear tube because <laughs> you can see the stars and everything around you. And that time when I got there, I went to a waiting area that it was a receiving area of people who have died that either didn't believe there was anything after death or they were had strong addictions in this life. Because when you have a, an addiction in this life, a lot of it's a psychological addiction. And those problems go with us. And they had to work through that before they were able to be aware of where they were. So there was this long, narrow, it's more like a hallway, but not closed in. It was very tall. And the lights were muted. And we talked very quietly. I was working with a bunch of other ladies. And there were narrow benches all along one wall. And the benches were just big enough for two people to sit on. And there was one person on each bench that had arrived, but they were still closed in their mind. They didn't know where they were, didn't, didn't recognize anything around them. And so we would sit by each one and calmly touch them or rub their back or put a blanket over their shoulders and quietly talk to them and ease them into the reality of where they were. And then they could go on from there. So that was the receiving area. And while I was there, a doorway opened up in the middle of the room where there wasn't a door. Beyond that was a garden. And there was a man there that I knew. He was a good friend. Not in this life, but before I was born. And so outside the doorway was this very tall guard. Guard. He was, he had the long lace-up sandals that lace up to your knees and like a skirt on and a metal 
collar like they wore in Egypt and a metal helmet headdress thing. And he had a long spear and he was standing guard at the door. And across the bottom of the door was a string stretched across the door. And so I walked up to the door and I raised my skirt to step over the string and the string lowered to the ground for me. And I stepped across and went and greeted my friend and it's good to see you again and everything. And I turned to look behind me where there was another friend of mine that I'd been working with in the receiving room. And she was still alive here at the time, but time is different there. And she tried to come through the door, but the string caught her foot. It did not lower for her. So the guard moved to block her way. And I asked my friend, why couldn't she come through too? And he said, because she was serving, feeling it was an obligation. It wasn't in her heart. Whereas I was serving the people because I cared about the people. I wanted them to be happy. I wanted them to come out of this trance state they were in. I wanted to help them. I wanted to be there. But she was just serving because she thought of it as a job. So that's the same way we have to go through this life. If it's not in our heart, no matter what good we do, it's not going to count. We need to get the attitude and the caring and the desire to help the people. Anyway, I went into the garden from there. And then beyond that, I could see a city. And the city had white stone. So tell me a little bit about, before you get any further down the road, do you remember anything else about the garden? Colors, plants, anything like that? Plants are amazing. The colors are so brilliant there. You would Here everything looks like somebody took a gray wash and washed everything. Everything looks dirty here. And there the colors are amazing. There was this tree in the middle of a, of a paved area. And around the tree, there was a flower. It was about, this is about two and a half feet tall. It was a tall flower. And it was just brilliant orange, yellows, reds colors, the flower part. And you could see the life in the flower. It's like swirling glitter. The flower was facing away from me. So I was walking slowly towards it and admiring it. And the flower turned its head to face me. And because it recognized somebody was approaching and its purpose is to make people happy. So I looked at it and I said, my, you're beautiful. And that pleased the flower because it was doing a good job. So the glitter, the life in it started, got real excited and it was just swirling around faster. And um, so that was one of the flowers. The flower itself looked like a cross between a rose and a daffodil and something else. <laughs> it was just amazing. But you can see the life in everything, um, plants, animals, and the stone. All the buildings were made out of living stone. It's kind of like white quartz, but you can see the swirling white in the stone. So you can see the life in the stone. Um, there's theaters there, there's schools there. And the learning is amazing. Your mind is so clear and so expansive and you just soak it up. It's so much fun to learn there. It's instant. You can learn four years of college in a minute. So there's schools, there's a theater. I went to a place that was an athletic center that was so big. 
I didn't see the outside of the building because the way you can travel is by thought and all of a sudden you're there. So I found myself in the building with my lady guide friend. She was taking me to talk to some more people. And the hallway went, you know, you couldn't see the end of the hallway. And there were people walking around with rackets and balls and all kinds of things. And we went up a flight of stairs and there was a, a double door. And next to the door was a very strange looking clock. Now, I'm not allowed to remember what the clock face looks like. It's not like our clocks. But I asked the lady with me, I says, is that a clock? And she said, yes, but not the kind you think it is. So evidently there's importance to that that I'm not allowed to remember. Oh, you want to hear something really fun. Um, think of all the things you have to do with these physical bodies. You have to breathe. You have to eat. You have to sleep. You have to get exercise. None of that applies there. It only applies to these physical bodies. You eat if you want to. My mom loved cooking. I'm sure she's cooking her head off, you know. But my thing is water. I love to swim. And I've always dreamt of swimming with whales. And when you go in the water there, you don't have to breathe. So you can go underwater and walk around on the bottom of the ocean if you want. And when you come out of the water, you're not wet. You're not wet. You have no physical clothes to get wet. You're dry. So that, that is probably one of the most exciting things for me. That was all in one visit, or was this in one of the other, or is this kind of putting them all together, some of the things you learned? It's kind of putting them all together. It's been four times. Well, I didn't, I didn't include the very first time I left my body. I don't know if you want to hear about that. Sure. Why don't you tell us about that now? Okay. It was my first experience, and my mother-in-law had recently died. And though I knew there was a life after death, I wondered if we remembered our family to the point where we missed them. Do we miss them? Do we worry about them? That kind of thing. And so I was laying on my bed in the middle of the day and my, my little boys were playing in the living room just on the other side of the door and they were pretty noisy. But I was laying there and I was crying and I was praying. And I was saying, Father, I, I really want to know this because it's bothering me <laughs> and um, so all of a sudden my room wasn't there anymore I was sitting at the top of uh, a flight of white steps probably about two stories up I was and at the bottom of the stairs was a door an open door and it was light on the other side of the door and I knew my kids were in there and I wasn't worried about them I knew that they had their journeys to fulfill. They had their purposes. Um, and my being with them was not going to change the fact that they were gonna have difficult times. I couldn't take away all the bad like moms like to do. And I wasn't worried about them. So that answered that question. Um, where the stairs were, all you could see were the stairs. They were white, everything else was black just pitch black around me. The path at the top of the stairs went off in the distance and um, Christ came down the path and he was dressed in white robes, brown hair, 
just below his shoulders. But his face is blurred. I'm not allowed to remember what his face looks like. And you'll probably find that in common with a lot of people. We're not allowed to remember his face. He came and he stood next to me. And I took his robe in my hands. And it looked like it was coarsely woven, like burlap, very large stitches. The robe was so, so soft. And it was so light. It was like he was a light bulb underneath. And I held it against my teeth. And he rested his hand on my head. And I just wanted to stay there. The feeling of love that emanates from him is so powerful that it feels like you're suffocating. But in a good way, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay there forever. How did you know it was him? Was he introduced? No, you just know. You just know we knew him in the pre-existence. We all knew him. So spiritually, you recognize him. And, um, but he turned and walked away, and I cried. I said, take me with you. And he turned back towards me, and he shook his head no. And then he left, and then I was on my bed again. Since then, I don't feel like I'm all here anymore. I'm not all here. Part of me is there. I will not be happy unless I get back to him. What would you say to people that have a hard time understanding or believing in him and in the afterlife in general? First, they have to have the desire to know. They have to have the desire to know. If they shut off their minds and say, nope, nope, don't want to hear about it, don't want to think about it, then nothing's going to get through to them. They have to open their hearts to the possibility. Once they say, okay, maybe. I want to learn more. Tell me what you know. And then I'll let you know if I believe it or not. <laughs> if they are willing to listen, then listen to all these people who have told of their experiences. And then go in a quiet place and sit down and think about it and just Open their hearts, open your minds, um, meditate if that's what you want to do. And that's when the spirit can tell you whether or not they said was true. And if you get that confirmation, then learn more. Learn as much as you can, because you really want to get back there. Do you have any fear of death at this point? Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's easy. I told my mom when she was, when she was um, close to dying, she said she was afraid of it feeling like she was drowning or suffocating. I said, no, mom. I said, you are going to feel so much more alive, so much more energy. And it's just amazing. There's no gravity there. We don't need it with our bodies. We can move through air. We can go in this, up in the sky if we want. Um, I told her, I said, remember to check out the flowers when you go, Mom. And I told her, she said, I wanted you to come visit me before I die. And I said, Mom, just stop on your way home. <laughs> and um, so that night that she died, my little sister, she has autism. 
We were on the phone all night just waiting for the phone call or the text from my oldest sister. And um, at 8 o'clock in the morning, we got the text. So Jenny and I said, okay, now we can sleep. It's done. And I hung up with Jenny. And I got a little teary, you know. Just a little teary. And then all of a sudden that was gone. The sadness was gone. I felt joy and love. And so I said, hey, Mom, you're here, aren't you? Oh, yes. Then I could hear her. And I said, you feel good, don't you? And she said, buoyant. I said, what do you mean buoyant? And so she showed me as if we were down in the ocean and a diver had blown a bunch of bubbles, you know, a big mass of bubbles. And they're rolling and fighting to get to the surface. And they get to the surface and they just burst and they're free. And I said, okay, mom, that's a better analogy than I could have come up with. But that's, that explained how she felt when she died. During these um, various experiences, did you see any other people, any other beings, anybody that you knew? Oh, there was people everywhere. Yes, I've, I met people I knew before I was born. Um, like Daniel and my grandmother was there and other people I just knew before I was born and our names are different there. We don't, it's not an English language or a French language. So I would not be able to pronounce their names. How would you explain the language? Kind of melodic. Is that the right word? It's a very pleasing language. It's not harsh, no sharp consonants. It, it just kind of flows that we speak in our minds. So a lot of that is pictures, impressions. If you tell someone you love them, you just feel it in your heart and then project it and they, they get it exactly what you want to say. So a lot of communication is just like that. Did you see where people live there? Houses or anything like that? Yes. In the city, there was a lot of buildings. Um, we kind of choose what we want. Some people like to live in townhouses or apartments. Other people like houses or farms. Me, I would prefer a farm <laughs> with animals and everything. The apartments and stuff were all built with the living stone. So it, it's just really beautiful. It really is. And everybody goes where they're comfortable. You don't have to live in an apartment if you don't want to. That makes sense. Can you explain this living stone a little bit more? I'm trying to understand it. Well, you know how in the scriptures it'll, it made a comment at one point where it says the rocks cried, the very stone cried when Christ died. That's because they recognize him as their creator. In order for stones to cry or move on command or spit out water on command, <laughs> There has to be some kind of sentient to it. It has to understand the command. Mm -hmm. And so there is life in everything. When you think of it here, everything has atoms. Atoms are constantly moving. Nothing stops. Even in steel, there's atoms moving. And so there, it's just like we can see the atoms moving. And so it, it, we just see the motion. We see the life in it. Well, the other people that you saw there, what were they doing? Oh, there's lots of things to do. There's things at the rec center. Of course, we saw those people. 
There's people gardening. If you like to garden, you garden. Um, as far as work goes, there's work there too. Assignments, jobs, teachers for teaching. Um, there are, there are, there's buildings where people go to keep records. They keep track of all the death records, all the, all the birth records, the, everything's very meticulously documented. And um, so not one person is lost. They want to know where everybody is. Did you learn anything about the communication between people there and people here? Yes. <laughs> people here, like when I talk to my mom or dad, they hear me no matter what they're doing. We have the, the connection of having been together as family. And so they will hear me no matter where I am. And if they're not busy right then, like I said, time is different. So they can pretty much pop in if I need them. And if I'm going through a rough time, if I'm really sick or if I'm upset, I don't get upset anymore, but <laughs> if they can sense that in us and come even if we don't ask them to, they can comfort us in a way that you can't, if you don't know what's going on, if you can't sense a spirit near you, you won't recognize it, but they can hug us. They can put their arms around us. And it feels like somebody wrapped a warm blanket around you. People will try to reach out to us through little things that might remind us of them. And then, and then they can start giving you little hugs and, and, you know, congratulatories. They can come visit things like when you graduate from college or high school or if you're going through a divorce like I did. They're always going to be there to comfort you, be around you to support you or cheer you on. Well, you've, you've learned so much. What else is there that you want to let us know that seems important for everybody? I would tell everybody that we chose in the preexistence before we were born, we chose the kind of life we want for eternity. We chose which level. Heaven is such a a broad term for it, but there's multiple levels that we can live in, different circumstances, different places. And if you chose a really high place closer to where um, Father and Christ live, those are the harder ones to get to. And we agreed, if I get to this place, we are shown this is the kind of life you're going to have. You're going to have a lot of difficulties. You're going to have a lot of health problems. You're going to have a lot of these problems. Um, and if you say, okay, that's what I want, then you come to earth and you, you do the best with what you're given. I was blessed with a lot of health problems, a lot. I've had 22 surgeries. And so every time I'm in the, in the hospital, there's always somebody that I'm led to, somebody that... I feel I'm attracted to another patient that needs my help, just patient to patient. There's a lot of things patients don't understand or they're afraid or they're dying. And um, so every time I go to the hospital, I accept whoever I'm being led to go help. And so my health problems to me are not a burden. They're a blessing. They're opportunities for me to help other people along. 
um, people can be blessed with a ton of money here. Their temptation is, what do you do with that money? Do you use it to help other people or do you let it pervert you to become greedy and selfish and arrogant? So be the best person you can be with what you're given and you will attain the reward that you wanted. That's a great message. I think we'll end with that. Thank you very much, Laurel. Appreciate having you on the show today. Sure. If you've had a round-trip death experience and would like to share it with us, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to me, eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly, if you've found this program uplifting, if it's given you just a little more hope in the future, share it with a friend. Rate us five stars and be sure to visit roundtripdeath.com. Until then, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next. Music